Thank you for listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from one of our Kingdom Conferences. What I just sense in the room is we're in this moment where we're crossing over into a promised land. Been talking about it for weeks. We described it. We've cast vision for it. But now is the opportunity for you to believe. Now is the opportunity for you to cross over into what God has planned for you. But also us as a people. And I just kept hearing that verse in Exodus where Moses is retelling their story. And he says he got up to the moment of the promised land. And there's the Jordan River. And he says, there it is. Go over. Take possession of it. Cross over. But here's what Moses couldn't do. He did not do it by the spear. He didn't put a spear or a sword to their neck and say, you cross over or else. It was an invitation. Because here's what Joshua and Caleb knew. Regardless if I have all of Israel with me, I don't need them to take the promised land. Doesn't matter how big the giants are, they will become like grasshoppers when we cross over because our God is with us. And I sense this morning there's, there's this hesitation in the hearts of some saying, I I really do want to be part of a move of God. And I'm not talking about a move of God for the sake of a move of God. I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost goosebumps. I'm not talking about a temporary movement. What I'm talking about is something that would actually be world-changing, transforming in nature, where the kingdoms of this world begin to become the kingdoms of the Son, Jesus. I think Theron said it last night. He, He doesn't need you to do it, but he wants you to do it. There's a desire, there's a, do you know what I have stored up for you? And so I just want to give this invitation right now, and I feel like we're supposed to go back into the bridge of that song. Because when we're dancing, when we're singing, when we get up a shout of praise, we begin to press through human perspective. We begin to press through worrying about what the person to my left or my right is going to think about me, what my boss is going to think about me, what the people at work are going to think about me, because all of a sudden I've fallen in love with Jesus and I've given my heart wholly to him. Shake off despair. If there's anything we've seen in these last few years is the enemy has tried to layer despair upon the people, whether it was through COVID or whether it was through economics or whether it was through political. But what you don't understand is we're called to take the mountains because we come from the kingdom mountain. Have you ever had an encounter with God where you met him face to face and you knew in that moment he was your God? he's for you, then who could be against you? So I just feel like we need to, as a victory dance today, like some of you have never danced in your life. Come on. And if if it's just a little holy hop, don't make this religious. Make it full of faith. If you've been dealing with despair, I mean, it's time to shake that bad boy off. I tell the teens all the time, it's like that Taylor Swift song, to shake it off. Come on. We have something to be joyful about. Why would we be despair? We have the resurrection life living inside of us. So if you're ready, let's go back into that. Say, Jesus, come and move us into the promised land. It's like a tinderbox in this room. There's a lot of match. I'm just going to be careful. I'm glad I don't have metal boots. I just spark a light and we'll be up in fire again. 
God is so good, is he not? Like he's been doing some things this last, this the last few days that uh, things that we knew a timing was coming, everything that's been really said has been confirmation and words and and this morning we get to celebrate as a family. Uh, for those that came in for the conference and you're still here and you're out of town, we're glad you're with us. Um, we want you to always feel at home here. Um, one thing that we really um, came into that was quite unexpected, but I should expect it was the level of connectivity with both Thrown and Isabel as, as families, friends like that. It's like we're just talking in the car like, we, like we've known each other for years and years and years. And that's a kingdom acceleration thing, you know. And, and when we're talking about moving into revival and awakening, the thing I want you to pick up on is it's, it's always family. He's bringing in family. He's building a family. He's not building an organization. He's not building a movement so we can have the Jesus bumper stickers and feel good about ourselves. He's bringing in the harvest. He's bringing in kids that are coming home to meet Jesus, and he's bringing them into family. And so what's he going to do? He's going to make kingdom connections where in your heart, like as if I've known you all my life. And the reason is, your spirits do, because you're seated in the same place in heavenly realms. So your spirits should know each other, right? And so it's, just, it's been a beautiful thing about what God's doing, too. I want you to put your hands out. And I just want you to say this, Lord, I receive everything that you've intended for me. Now I want you to turn your hand over. Freely I've received I commit to give it away. Would you just do more through me than I ever thought was possible because of the inheritance you've given me? And we just thank you right now. Lord, we bless Thrown and Isabel as they kind of come up, Lord. Would you just pour out your spirit in a fresh way right now? In Jesus' name. Why don't you all just welcome right now with this little love offering. We're just going to pray over them. One thing I, I love too, it's just it's been, it's such an honor, is when you you have people who are heroes in the faith who actually ask you to pray for them, and the humility that you guys operate in is 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 very inspiring, and is I know we know that's where why promotion does come. So Father, we just bless them right now. Everything, Lord God, they've poured out into us, Lord God, everything they've poured out for the kingdom in these many years of ministry, and we thank you that the moment of acceleration is not just for the others that they prophesy to, but the acceleration is for them too, because they are your father and mother in whom you're well pleased. And so we just say, come Holy Spirit, the unlocking and the releasing of inheritance, the unlocking and the releasing of the yes thing that you've stored up. I just hear the Lord, we've had this word about reserved wine, and I just hear the Lord says, I've gone down to my cellar because I had a reserved wine. It's a very fine wine that I reserved for this hour specifically for you. And I just heard the popping of the cork that says, now it's time. You're going to be able to enjoy, Sha. you're going to enjoy a newness in ways that you've never experienced before. So we just thank you and we honor them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Nice to see so many new faces. 
this morning. Uh, I'd just like to say it's been a real pleasure and honor to be here over this weekend. And uh, to you guys who are here th for the first time since we came, I just would like to say that uh, we are here because of Jesus Christ. We are not here because of the prophetic. We are here because of Jesus. And I uh, just would like to remind all of us to keep our focus and our eyes on him and not on the prophetic. The prophetic, as I said, is a gift. It's a beautiful gift given by Jesus for the church. But it's not about the gift. It's about the giver. So let's focus on him. So bless you guys. And uh, hopefully we can serve you today through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is there someone in the room today, you're in the process of buying a home, a house, or a real estate, and you're faced with a decision you have to make about the specific thing you're thinking about? Okay. Yeah. Uh, could you please stand up, guys, if you don't mind? Uh, the Lord gave me a vision. I saw a person standing in a house, and I saw the house expand. And I heard the Lord say, this is for a person who's standing in front of a decision he has to make, a specific decision he has to make. Does the number 47 or 38 have any meaning for you guys? Not yet, okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine, that's fine. Please, what I'm saying to you now, pray about it. Pray about it. I know buying real estate or making these are life-changing decisions, and please pray about it. Take in consideration what I said, and pray about it, for the Lord will confirm, confirm what's the right thing to do. So bless you guys, thank you. Good morning. It is wonderful to be here indeed and to see the hunger and to see the fruitfulness. It is wonderful to be with uh, in harvest fields. And you are a harvest field. So it's very refreshing. Um, you know, when I have known the Lord for a few years, and when I was young and I met the Lord, I prayed the second most important prayer of my life, I think, after having given my life to him. And I said to the Lord, you know, I have one request that I want you to consider above all other requests that you will ever hear from me, which are going to be many. But if you have to pick one ever, if you are in the situation that you can only, or you will only grant me one, I want this one. Whatever the cost is, whatever it takes, I want this. And I said, my request is that on that day, when it's my last day on earth, when that day comes, I want to look back on my life and have no regrets. On that day, I want to be there. And yes, no, I made many mistakes, but 
regret is different. On that day, I can't imagine what it would be like to look back and say, if only. If I had believed, if I had only done, if. And this is about my walk with God. It's not about regrets if I should have bought those shoes or gone to that vacation. You know, it is about the things that matter, the destiny, the things, the purpose of life, the things that please God. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like on that day, which is the most glorious day, the most wonderful thing that can happen to us when we stand face to face with him, to look at him and say, so sorry, but I have excuses. You know, you wanted this, I know that would have made you happy, but, but, but. You know, it, it has to be horrible. I can't imagine. I have experienced that already. I have mentioned the other day I have been raised from the dead twice. And 11 years ago, the second time, I stood face to face with God in heaven. And uh, it was an amazing thing. It is a glorious thing. It is the most incredible thing. And everything the Bible says is real, and he is as real as anything can be. And eternity is real, so is hell. I saw hell, too. And you see, but, you know, and I trust. The Lord sent me back to finish the race because it is not finished. And it was part of answering my prayer of no regrets. Till the end, I wanted to finish the race. And I purposed to finish the race for him. And so it wasn't done yet. But... You see, the Lord has been very kind, and I trust that he promised me the third time I get to stay. Thank you, Jesus. And so, <laughs> but on that day, I trust I will still, I will again look at him in the eyes. I have no regrets. And you see, not because of who I am, it's because of who the Holy Spirit is. He's so committed to take us home safely and to please the Father, and to help us do it if we want it. So I want to talk about one of the areas that is so important for us when in running the race, in finishing the race. Finishing the race is so important to him. You know, and I know that because when I was there, I saw it in his face, I heard it in his voice, and the things he said to me, for him, us finishing the race is a really important and very dear to him because it's finishing the work of Jesus, the, he, the portion he entrusted to us. And in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, you know, therefore, since we are surrounded, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of the life and faith, let us run the race with endurance. Stripping off all the weight getting rid of all the weight, all the things that weigh us down, and, us, and all the sin, getting rid of all the sin that trips us up. You see, and that's one of the things that we are not mindful of. If we want to run this race well, and we want to finish it for him, to stand before him, because we will, all will stand before him, and let me tell you, you don't get a memo telling you, get ready for Friday at 3 p.m. I'm coming for you. He does come like a thief in the night for that too. You see, and before you know it, you are standing before him. And so um, we need to 
live with more purpose than we do and realizing what this is about. Yes, we get to enjoy life and go for vacations and go to the beach. And yes, we, go, we get to enjoy movies and all kinds of things. But there's a reason why we are here. And so standing, being in that place of, you know, to run a race, to finish it, to know that our goal will be on that day, to look him in the eyes and see him happy. You see, even if not everything made me happy, that doesn't matter. My happiness is to see that smile on his face. And so what if I didn't like some of the portions of the race? If it pleases him, it's worth going through it. And so, you see, uh, when we purpose, when we want to run a race like Paul said, you know, getting rid of the things that weigh you down, we cannot succeed and live the Christian life and our destiny if we are so filled with all these burdens, all this weight, all the things that weigh us down and the sin that trips us up. It is constant before us. And I hope I, today I can give you a, little, a few things, a little push to help you through uh, in this, you know, on top of what you already have. You are in a very rich house, so it's not like you are lacking anything, you know, in the richness of God's glory and uh, his teachings and all of that. I want to share a little bit of what I have learned in my journey to help us get there. Just bear with me. I'm not a preacher. I'm a trainer and an equipper. Therefore, I will round it up until I put feet on it for you to walk it. And so, uh, so here's the thing. You know, when you start running a race, we all get excited. We all do. I love running. I actually do. And so, you know, and I have these amazing shoes I send away for because they actually are lighter than a feather. Because when you run, after a little while, even your own hair becomes heavy. And uh, when I started running, I used to carry a little backpack in case I need this, I need that, if I need the other thing, all the things I could possibly need, you know, like you're going for a picnic. And so I had my bag of things, and all of a sudden I realized I can't, it's heavy, it's slowing me down. You know, so I had to learn, you go running, you don't take anything. Forget about anything because I want to finish it. And everything becomes heavy. And we learn our Christ, we, we live our Christian life with a backpack. We keep filling and filling and filling in. And then we wonder, where is that passion? What is happening? Why have I lost the zest? Where is my zeal and all these things? And I mean, this could be easily, you know, a, a seven-session conference. But I'm trying to summarize it all. And, uh, and with a few highlights. So getting rid of things is very important so that we are not, we don't get slowed uh, slow down in this. In Matthew 24, starting on verse 12, it, talks, it says, you know, Jesus said, in the last days, and I believe we are in the last days, in the last days, and whatever 
is left of the last days, I personally believe and know for reasons to believe that it's actually short. The last days are shorter than we think. But never mind. The last days started when Jesus rose from the dead. So we are in the last days, <coughs> theologically. So, um, but it said in the last days, because of the worries, of the sin, of the worries, of the troubles of the world, the love of many will grow cold. Thank you. The love of many will, will grow cold. And uh, it said, but those who endure till the end, they will be safe. You know, one of the things that causes us to get burdened, one of the things that causes us to trip up more than anything is the curse of life. It's life. It's a problem. It's, just, it's living life. And that is one of the heavy weights that we have, one of the heavier, uh, the biggest things that cause us to trip up is living life, is the things that we have to deal with every day in our lives. You see, that will cause you to lose your first love very quickly. And, you know, we have to be very careful because that is really, really dangerous. When you start becoming lukewarm, the cares of life will make you lukewarm very quickly and will cause you to go cold. And that we know. We know what Jesus said about being lukewarm. We know the dangers. This is very um, difficult because the, the Western world, this part of the world, this wonderful developed wealthy part of the world is under tremendous persecution. But in this part of the world, we don't have a mindset of persecution. You see, when we think persecution, we think about the people in China. And, uh, you know, Muslims coming to Jesus and different things like that. And that is persecution. And, you know, it is persecution indeed. But we are under another persecution. And the persecution of this part of the world, of the church in this part of the world, is, look, is a persecution to lukewarmness. It's to take your first love, it's to make you lukewarm and then cold. That is the persecution. That is what the devil is after. And this is a, a persecution is worse than the other. This one is worse because it's very subtle. And you don't realize that it is happening until you lost the oil in your lamp. You see, I have lived through both persecutions. I know the other persecution. I face death. Persecution, beating, torture, and many uh, tests when I met Jesus and I chose to follow Jesus. And I, I lived through all of, the, of that because it was... You know, um, the same spirit was high treason in my culture and family to become a Christian. And so I know what it's like to be beaten to, uh, to the point of death. And uh, then put a many tests for the sake of Jesus. And then put point blank into choose Jesus or die. Choose Jesus and twice when that happened. And both times they tried to kill me. Long story. The things that happened were amazing. How God intervened. So... I I'm still standing, but um, he rescued me from the from it, and what happened? But I lived through that persecution. I prefer that persecution than this one. That persecution is so much easier because there is no gray areas. 
you can have gray areas. So when you're facing that persecution, you are in or you are out. You cannot sit on the fence. And you're in that persecution, you have to know why you believe what you believe and why you're willing to pay the price that you're, going to, that you're paying. This other persecution doesn't cause that. That's dangerous. It's dangerous. And it's causing a lot of disaster in the kingdom of God. And you know, it's wonderful to tell you the great prophecies and the great destiny. But if I don't tell you this, then I didn't help you. You see, because this is very important. And my main point in here is to make sure that you make your home safely. That I stand before the Lord and said, as, as best as I could, I closed the gates for them to walk straight and not just to go outside of the fold. You see, for the wolves to come and take you away, snatch you away. And this is one of those, this kind of persecution, this lukewarmness. So the cares of life are the things that is the greatest source of persecution and that the devour uses. It causes the greatest distance. It causes you to grow cold, to lose your passion for God, to lose your first love. And that's a whole other session, you know, restoring the first love. It's really easy to do, but anyway, because everything is easy in the kingdom of God. Nothing is complicated, trust me. So, the cares of life. Now, the cares of life have been in effect since before Jesus came to earth. Before he was born as a, as a man. You know? And um, it had been there forever, but Jesus dealt with it because it is consuming. It's so important to us. What we eat, what we wear, what, how to pay our bills, where we're going to live, the shoes we buy, and the, you know, the medicine and work and life and the bugs on the wall and everything. You know, there is life. Life is filled of cares and issues and everything, and we have to deal with it. Relationships, marriage, children, teenagers. And you name it, you know? And so we deal with this, and we cannot escape, escape it. And that's the problem. We cannot escape this and have our little bubble of heavenly bubbles somewhere. We, cannot, we have to live in this. And Jesus dealt with it in Matthew 6, 25 to 32. He dealt with this, and he explained it all. Do not worry about this, that, the other thing. You know the scripture. You know it. I hope you do. Yes, if you're here, you know it. You know, but what Jesus said there, do not worry about it and about Solomon dressed better than the flowers, or the flowers dressed better than Solomon, and God provides for the birds when he provides for us, all of those things. You know, because that is the thing that is actually the most important thing in front of our eyes. The thing we deal with, wake up thinking about it, go back to sleep thinking about it. And people, that is a bondage and that is a burden that will cause you to lose your first love and grow lukewarm quickly. And I love what Jesus said. Verse 32 is an incredibly powerful verse in that. From, uh, you know, 25 <coughs> to 32. And, but Jesus said in there, you know, in verse 32, he said, you know, when he's saying, don't worry about it. Don't be thinking about it. Don't worry about it. Don't be thinking about it. And he says in verse 32, because 
These are the things that dominate and control the minds of unbelievers. That is what controls, what dominates the minds of unbelievers. But you, you are not an unbeliever. But you have a Father in heaven who knows what you need ahead of time, and he will take care of you. You see, there is the difference. You know, most Christians, sadly, including me, most Christians, sadly, we are Christians, but we live our Christian life with the mind of an unbeliever. And we have to be very careful, because if you are living your Christian life with the mind of an unbeliever, you will struggle, you will not receive inheritance, you will not fulfill your destiny, and um, the devourer will have an end in your life, the kingdom of God. You will not enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God. Yes, you will be saved. Yes, you will make it to heaven. But I mean, between now and then, it will be nice to have a good life and to have victories and not to be always struggling, survival mode, and what's going to happen today was the devil after today. You know, the devil is out there, but he's not that big. You see, but trust me, I have a demon show up to kill me many times. They're not that big. They're powerful. They just have the, want to puff, they puff up themselves. Yeah, no, I was in California. It was so funny. And a demon, a demon showed up to kill me in the middle of the night. And it was an area where there was a lot of witchcraft and occult. And of course, I was with the Trinity. The four of us were ministering. And so it was, and then we were disturbing the atmosphere. You know, and the witches and everybody, they were upset. And we were having a great time. People were, all these people who came out of that life and, you know, and drugs and all of that were discovering destiny, were discovering purposes, and they were experiencing the Father's love through through the prophetic. And so uh, the, this demon showed up. I tell you, it was bigger than any building that, you know, I have ever seen in my life. I walked in like this, you know, 2.30 in the morning. I was tired. Out of the four of us, I'm the only one who gets tired. You know, the other three, they never sleep. And so anyway... I was chatting with Jesus, and I was actually talking Jesus into watching a, 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 a comedy with me so that we could just, I could get tired and fall asleep. And so I had to kind of disconnect after ministering for hours. And so this demon shows up to kill me. And he just walked like this and looking at me. And I looked at him, and I just said, Seriously? And he stopped. And I just said, what's wrong with you? I'm not alone. Like, you really, seriously, you have to be a special kind of a stupid <laughs> to think that you can get to me. I'm not alone. You have to get to three before me. If you can get through them, then you have a shot. <laughs> but you think you can get through them to get to me? Seriously? I was so annoyed. <laughs> so I turned around and gave him my back and finished watching my show with Jesus. And so I turned back and he was staring at me. If I wish we had 
cameras to take pictures of these things because the look of confusion in his face. And he was, yeah, no, he was trying to kill me. He was going to kill me. And I thought, you're not the first one. Many other, other brothers of yours have tried. Yeah, no, I'm sure you will not be the last one, but I mean, I'm not alone. Oh, come on. So anyway, I went to sleep. I said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I said my good nights to them. Jesus is the last one because we chat a lot at the end. We always chat. So I, my last, I said to Jesus, I said my good nights to him. I said to him, you know, I have, I'm tired. I'm sleeping now. We have a big day tomorrow. I'm going to sleep. I, I mean, I rebuked the guy. He did the Christian thing. didn't leave. Uh, so I, I don't care. I said to him, if you think I'm going to care that you are here, you came to the wrong place. If you're seeking attention, wrong place. I'm not giving you attention. I said, I'm not going to be thinking, oh, no, you are here. What are you going to do? Every thought I give to you is worship I take from him. I must worship the Lord with all my mind. If I think about you, I'm giving you worship that belongs to him. And I said, so I'm not going to be thinking about you. I said, but this is the thing. This is how this is going to work. I'm going to sleep. I'm carrying on with I'm here. I didn't come here to deal with you. I came here to do my father's work. I said, so I'm going to sleep. But I'm going to leave you listening, listening to the Bible on my phone. And I turned on my Bible and have a loop to play from Matthew to Revelation. For, for times like that, when they show, still want to show up, yeah, I'm not going to engage with you. You have to engage with Jesus for he's the word and he's alive. So, so if you stay, but listen and enjoy. I'm going to sleep. I turned the other way and I said to Jesus, Jesus, good night. Just I'm going to sleep. Thank you for a great day. And thank you for watching the show with me now. I'm going to sleep. Your problem is over there. So you deal with him. Because here's the thing. I am with the one who took the keys from him. All authority has been given to me, Matthew says. And in a great commission on heaven and on earth on resurrection day. All authority. I know that. So I just said, you got your keys, you got your authority, there he is. Good night. I fell asleep in the most wonderful peace. Had a wonderful sleep. I woke up a few hours later. What's his name? Was gone. The room was clean and filled with the glory of God. You see, we are so used to carrying the mind of an unbeliever. That's why the devil has power or influence in our lives. The mind of an unbeliever is a very powerful thing. And see, you can get saved, but you still carry the mind of an unbeliever. You don't get the mind of a, a believer just poof, got saved, now you're nice. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, attaining the, the, the mind of a believer is the mind of Christ. But the mind of Christ doesn't come by, in Jesus' name, get the mind of Christ. I used to walk around saying, I have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. It never worked. You see, because it doesn't work that way. If you want to have the mind of Christ, you actually have to choose it. 
You have to replace your thoughts with his thoughts, your thinking patterns with what the Bible says. The Bible is the mind of Christ. Your prophecies have the mind of heaven and the mind of Christ. We have to change what we entertain in our minds with what he would entertain. We have to be discerning about what mind are we functioning in. People, or else you will never change. Freedom will never come. Wholeness and restoration will never come. You will continue struggling with the same issues forever, even if you have a gazillion hours of therapy or inner healing. Because you need to be willing to change to renew your mind. So you renew your mind by replacing one thought with another thought, one belief system with the other one, because now I choose to think like this because this is the, how Jesus thinks. You know, and if we instead, if you're having trouble controlling your temper, controlling your, you know, anger, controlling your tongue, controlling, you know, lying, controlling any behavior that comes from the world, it simply means you are still functioning with the mind of an unbeliever. And if you are willing to renew your mind with the mind of Christ, you will be set free from that because as a man thinks, so he is. You see, it's very simple. We don't like it, but it is simple to make the choices that get us there because our human nature is constantly trying to pull us into those behaviors, into the mind of an unbeliever. So all these things, the cares of life, worrying, fears, and all that it produces, anxieties, and the, all of those things, and more and more, and insomnia, and you can add and add and add to it, is because we are living our lives with the mind of an unbeliever. Like Jesus said in there, this thought, worrying about all this, is what dominates the mind of an unbeliever but you are not unbelievers. You see, so we need to switch this and switch what we entertain. You know, if you speak foul words, curse words, and vulgarities, that's because you have the mind, a function with the mind of an unbeliever. The mind of Christ will never lead you to that, will change that. So we have to be aware of these things. What mind do we have? You want to be changed and renewed and set free. Get rid of the mind of an unbeliever actively. Don't leave it all. He will do it. Yes, he will empower you, but you have to make choices and pay the price and suck it up. You know? So, here we are. So, but nonetheless, we have to deal with life. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with, you know, COVID-19. We have to deal with um, problems. We have to deal with everything that comes in life. And, you know, but here's the thing. And this is so important not to tell you. It is so cool. You know, because we want freedom of the cross is so real. And I, I wish I love to, anyway, I don't have time to go into the way I see the cross. But the freedom of the cross is real. It's absolutely real. It's not pie in the sky. It's so real to live in, in, in to encounter. It's so attainable, the freedom of the cross that Jesus paid for. But one of the keys to attain and to live in the freedom of the cross is 
the, attaining the mind of Christ, getting rid of the mind of an unbeliever. You have to, or else the freedom of the cross will not, you, you will not possess it. And in Galatians 6, 14, Paul said something that is my goal. I, I want this. And uh, Paul said, you know, uh, and I, I'm actually going to read it, literally. He said, as for me, I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, has died. I'm saying I'm not interested in what the world offers. And that means even in the feelings, even in the behaviors, even in the thoughts, even in the anger, in the lying, in the, frust in the you know, backbiting, in the complaining, in the gossiping, in the addictions or whatever. It is, includes everything. And then he says this, which is the most powerful part. He said, my interest in the world is dead, has been crucified, but the world's interest in me has died. Can you imagine the world, the spirit of the world, the devil saying, don't bother with her. She's useless to me. I'm not interested in her. Negative thought, ah, go somewhere else. She's useless. You know, anger. Leave him alone. That's what, you know, what Paul attained. Anger looks at you and says, no, I have no interest in him. It's useless to me. Temptations are not interested in you anymore. And that's what Paul said because of the cross. You see, but that comes by getting rid of the mind of an unbeliever. This is one of the most powerful hidden keys in the scripture that will get us to this total freedom, real freedom and wholeness. Imagine. So, people, now we'll move to the last part of what I want to tell you, how to do this. You know, we're putting the feet on this. And so we have to deal with this. We have to deal with daily life. We have to deal with all these thoughts of unbelievers that bombard us, what ifs and this, and the worries and fears and the concerns and the worries and fears and the concerns that are there all the time. And the doctor said, and the bank said, and my boss said, and my child said, and you know, and the dog said, and everything that comes around is happening, and the relationships, and my husband, and my wife, and all these things. And we are constantly, what am I going to do, and what are we going to do, and all these things. So, breathe. The solution is very easy. It's really, really easy, and it is in the Bible. Everything I'm telling you is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. The solution to the cares of life, the solution to this freedom, the solution, the mind of Christ, the mind of a believer is in Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8. That is the solution to this completely. And I'm going to give it to you in such a simple form that you, know, that you can make it uh, like a recipe and just drink it. It works. I'm going to give it to you in a simple form. For it says in there, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving in your heart, bring your request before the Lord. That sounds too spiritual for me to process. Let me translate it in a very simple way. 
and um, what this means and how to do it. And here's the thing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and 8. Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but instead, but instead, but in all things, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. The thing is, we have been preconditioned to worry in the world. That's the mind of an unbeliever. Is to worry. When you worry, that is what the world, the, the placebo, the world uses to make you feel like you are actually doing something about it. And if you worry, you care. If you worry, you are doing something about it. You are not, but that is the, the, the deception, the placebo here, I'm doing something. You are not, you are just causing stress and causing so much cortisol in your body that you will end up sick. But, you know, uh, but it's, that is what we have learned. The world does, this is what the world does. This is what the mind of an unbeliever does. Worry, worry. But the mind of a believer is don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Not about some things. About, don't worry about anything, people. Absolutely nothing. Don't worry about anything. And that goes against the grain of our soul and our behavior because of the mind of an unbeliever. We carry so we have to be, it's a conscious decision. You know, like I'm going to drink cod liver oil because it's good for me. You, I know, want to do it, but it's good for me. Especially when our mothers gave it to us with a spoon. And so, but it is a conscious decision. We have to be aware of this because we have to. So I'm not going to worry about it. Don't worry about it. The doctor said, or the bank said, or the, mon the bank account says this, or this, or that, or the neighbor said, all these things constantly. This bombards us from every direction. You see, and the pain in your knee says, and everything talks to us and says something. So your natural reaction is going to be to worry and start the treadmill of worrying. It's just having printed in bold letters that you can see it everywhere around these steps I'm going to give you. What? Number one, don't worry about anything. So it's a decision you have to do. No, I'm not going to worry. I want to. I feel like it. I'm going. No, I, I'm not going to worry. But you need an outlet or else you are going to explode. Because that is then in there swirling around you. You have to release it, which we have learned is worrying which makes it, takes the wind into a storm. But instead, instead, without prayer and supplication, instead, talk to the Lord about it. You have to do it immediately, like boom, boom, boom. Don't, no gaps in between, because you need, you need it. So, no, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to talk to the Lord about it. Here's the thing. When you have cares of life in front of you, and there are reasons for worrying, concern, you don't feel like praying. That's true. You don't feel like praying. I'm not very spiritual, so I can say it. You know, um, but uh, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like going into this spiritual mode of praying. So don't. Don't pray. Talk to the Lord. Same thing, different approach. It doesn't feel spiritual or religious. It, it does something for the mind. I'm going to talk instead of praying. 
But it's the same thing. Talk to him, which means, this is what it means. No, I'm not going to worry about this. Father, we have to talk because I'm freaking right out right now. Because look at this. Tell him what you feel and what you think. Tell him. Tell him. Because you know there's no money in the bank and this is what's happening. What if we lose our house? And then we're going to end up under a bridge. And then winter is too cold in Canada to live under a bridge. It's fine in Texas, but not in Canada. And Lord, I look at this and I want, and if this happens and that happens, tell him everything. Dump it out. That's what the Bible means spiritually when it says, cast your cares upon him because he cares. Dump it out on him because he can take it. You see, just tell him, empty yourself, be real. I'm feeling this, I'm thinking this, I'm processing this, and what if, and I'm feeling, release it. Tell him everything that you're experiencing and thinking and feeling. Empty yourself and then, with thanksgiving in your heart, number three, immediately, number three, thank him for something good that he has done. Turn to thanksgiving, thank him for something good that he has done. When you are dealing with the cares of life, you know God has done good things, but you can't think about it. Have a book. Write down the goodness of God. Have it with you. And don't forget, keep track of the goodness of God. We forget what he has done so that you can remember it and talk about it. So number three, and Father, I want to thank you because I pick one of these things from the book. And don't just say, thank you because you provided the money needed to buy milk that day for my children. No, no, remember it. And Father, I want to thank you because remember that day what I was going through and how I was feeling and how this happened and that, and then recall it. Recall it with him. And then I prayed, and then somebody knocked on the door, and then there was a bag of milk outside, or you know, I needed, or a $5 bill. I needed to go buy the milk. Wasn't that wonderful? Relive it with him. Relive it. As you know, remembering in the Bible means relive it. Relive it with him and say, and so this is the first thing. So when the cares of life arise, no, I'm not going to worry. The moment you feel like worrying, no, I'm not going to worry about it. Make the decision. Immediately, Father, we have to talk. I need to tell you exactly what is happening right now. And release it all. Don't entertain the thoughts because that is the mind of an unbeliever. The mind of a believer passes it on to him. So, don't entertain, don't let it float in your mind. That's the mind of an unbeliever. And then, as soon as you empty yourself out, and Father, I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for that. That does powerful things. And uh, because thankfulness is the, one of the highest forms of worship. And thankfulness shuts up the devil. He cannot speak nice. If you want to shut him up, be thankful. He cannot participate. You kick him out of the conversation. He's not thankful and happy. Thankfulness comes from the throne room of God. It's spoken in heaven. 
So the moment you turn to thankfulness in your mind, learn to be thankful that every other thought has a thank you. Let thankfulness flow out of your, ma- your mouth constantly. Thankfulness causes heaven from on earth as it is in heaven. Shifts the culture and the atmosphere into heavenly when you, go into, when you bring thankfulness and you kick the devil out of the room. He cannot participate. You're speaking Chinese. He doesn't speak Chinese, so he can't participate. He does, but you know what I mean. You know, but you are speaking a language he cannot participate in, and you will, his influence, the accuser, will not have so much influence in your life and your circumstances. You see, and your first love will be protected, and you will not grow lukewarm. I promise you, you will not go, become lukewarm and at all, or your first, you will not lose the, your first love. So, you know, the other thing that it does is thankfulness. When you switch into thankfulness, it literally, physically, scientifically shifts the part of the brain that you are using. And worrying opens is the part of the brain that causes you to uh, releases all the chemicals that are harmful, worrying, the fear, you know, depression, anxiety, all of that. Thankfulness opens the other side of the brain that releases the um, serotonin, the oxytocin, and all the wonderful things that make you feel peaceful and good. You know, it's as simple as thankfulness causes the switch in the brain because they flow from the two different parts of your brain. It's really easy, actually. So you see, thankfulness. Now, the thing is, if the situation is big, you finish, you do it, and you told the Lord everything, and two seconds later, maybe a minute later, you feel the knot in your stomach again because, you know, nothing has changed. The situation that you're dealing with trying to make you worry, is still there. So, very simple, do it again. 20 times in five minutes, 50 times in five minutes, do it again and again and again. You cannot overdose on this. Keep doing it and doing it, and I promise you, God is not going to tell you, seriously, you just told me about 15 times. I heard you, I got it. He's not like that, he's patient and kind and understanding. He will listen to you. The 20th time as if it was the first time. You can go back and tell him, no, I'm not going to worry. Father, we have to talk because here we go again. Tell him again everything and I want to thank you for something. Verse 7. That's verse 6. That's verse 6. Verse 7. And then, and then, that makes the next portion conditional. Verse 7 is conditional to doing verse 6. If you don't do verse 6, you will not get verse 7. Period. There's, this is non-negotiable. It's a conditional promise, a conditional blessing. And then, as a result of that, as a result of doing this combo here in verse 6, and then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That is the only way of that peace to arise. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will arise because the kingdom is already within you will arise it will fill your heart that means it will protect your first love it will keep you from getting lukewarm and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus
it will guard your mind, your thoughts. The number one cause for anxiety and depression is the treadmill of thoughts, thoughts that don't stop. That is what causes it, a thought that keeps running and running, the hamster wheel of the thoughts. It will protect your mind in Christ Jesus. This is the most amazing solution to life. You see, and to living a successful, victorious Christian life in the world, surrounded by the cares of life, it will, your Father will take care of you. It brings you to that place of trust. And it keeps you safe. And you, I promise you, you will never, ever lose your first love. Verse 8. And finally, brethren, one more thing. Fix your thoughts in what is good. If anything is beautiful or worthy of praise, if anything is lovely or worthy of honor, if anything is nice, just to think about it. Think about it by choice. See, we are so used to letting thoughts control our mind. We have to take charge and control our thoughts. That's part of the, having the mind of Christ, not the mind of an unbeliever. The mind of an unbeliever is controlled by thoughts. And that's why the devil can put thoughts and thoughts because an unbeliever, the mind of an unbeliever is controlled by thoughts. The mind of an unbeliever stewards and controls the thoughts. We have a choice. No one can make you think about anything that you don't want to. You choose what you think. No one can, you cannot blame anybody for thoughts that come into your mind or for what you think. That is your choice. You can choose to think, to engage with a thought, or you can choose to say, no, thank you. I don't have to. I don't need to. That is part of renewing our minds, being in charge of what we think. So be very careful with this, because we need to succeed in finishing the race. How can you pursue the promises of God, your destiny, if you are overwhelmed with worries and the cares of life? Where is faith in there? It will never arise. You will never be a person of faith if you are filled with worries, fears, and concerns with the mind of an unbeliever like the unbelievers do. You want miracles? You want heaven to invade your life? You want the power of God? This will give it to you. A hundred percent, it will give it to you. It's a choice. It's available, Jesus paid for the peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace is really freaky at the beginning because it feels like you don't care about anything because you are not worried. And if it goes against it, then it feels like you, know, if I, like you don't care. And it is not that you don't care, it's that you pass the buck. God is worried. God is dealing with it, and you are experiencing it's a peace that surpasses reason. It's, you can it cannot be explained or understood. It surpasses human perception. It's a heavenly perception, lifestyle. You see in this, and I will finish with the words of Paul in First Corinthians nine twenty four and twenty seven. 
this must be in front of our eyes all the time. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So, run to win. All athletes are dis disciplined in their training. Sadly, we Christians are very undisciplined. And this is not about religion. It's about stewarding our life. Stewarding everything. We're undisciplined. We just go with the flow. We're winging it. We'll see what happens today. We are unprepared for each day. They, the athletes, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. We need purpose. People, people in the world live without purpose. Christians live without purpose. On every step, that means find a purpose in everything you're going to do. What's the purpose in what I'm doing? And that doesn't mean that you have to be intense. Intense people are not fun. You know? Don't be intense. That's not it. But it is. If you're going to do nothing, find purpose in it. Why are you doing nothing? To relax because I need a break? That's fine. But have purpose. Don't do it just because. And see, have purpose. I want to watch a movie. Yeah, why am I going to do? Am I escaping something? Or am I? What's, you know, find purpose. Make your days count. You know, it doesn't mean that you cannot have fun and silly things, but have purpose in every step. Find the purpose in the conversation. Find what is the purpose in what the things I want to say to somebody. What's the purpose in this? Don't just talk because my mother used to say, just because the tongue doesn't have a bone. She used to say, people talk because the tongue doesn't have a bone, so you can say anything. So you see, but... Find the purpose. What's the purpose in everything? What's the purpose in me having this conversation? What's the purpose in me saying what I feel like saying right now? What's the purpose of acting this way and that way? Find the purpose. So it says, run with purpose in every, in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body, myself like an athlete, training it, tra to, training myself to do what I should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. You see, I want to encourage you. We are at the end of the race. There's much to do. I know God wants to fulfill every promise he has given to you. I know heaven is here. The help of heaven and angels is at your fingertips. Let's not be the reason why we don't do it. It's, you can blame the devil all you want, but we do a better job at spoiling things than he does. When you live like an unbeliever, with the mind of an unbeliever, that's your choice. You cannot blame him for that. You open the door, you engage with, with it. But if we change to the mind of a believer, Actively, you will become more like Christ. You will become like him. You will be inhabited. You will become a place of his inhabitation, not just a place of visitation. John 17, we will come and make our abode in you. We will inhabit 
permanently in habitation that he flows out of you. When people encounter you, they experience him. Not just in a meeting when the anointing is there, but in your life. There's so much depth to this. But the main one right now is survive, not survive, overcome persecution. Be ahead. Sleep well at night. Don't get an ulcer. Because that's all choices, it's internal. You see, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So Father, we want to thank you right now. For you are faithful and you are true. Father, for you have made a plan and you knew the beginning from the end. And for everything, you have given us an answer in your word. Because the word of God divides bone and marrow. And this is a word that divides bone and marrow. So, Father, right now, as we stand here, your children, just like in the days when Jesus talked to the disciples in Matthew 6, here we are in the same situation. Life is getting pretty tough out there, but we are not of this world. So, Father, as we stand here, we want to repent. And we want, will you stand with me for a moment, and then Trawin will come and do something. And, uh, but, Father, we just want to humble ourselves before you for living with the mind of unbelievers, for behaving the way of unbelievers, for encouraging the devourer and the accuser in our lives by living with the mind of unbelievers. And Father, today we want to reset. We want to reset our passion, our fire, our zeal. You know, I said the other day, God has given each of us zeal. The problem is, where are you putting your zeal? Some people put their zeal in worrying and fears and concerns. How about if we put our zeal in this? You, the freedom. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, we stand before you to reset. Reset our minds, reset our intentions, reset our hearts, reset our ways, Father. For we know it is your will to take care of us. You are a perfect Father. And you are one step ahead. You know the things that we need before we even ask you. And you made a plan. So right now I want to break off that curse of the spirit of the world. That yoke of the cares of life, worries, fears, concerns, and what ifs. In Jesus' name right now. For that is a snake that will suffocate you. So right now in Jesus' name, we, I break it off of you for your children of the living God. And because of this, you can be free from this. Jesus paid the price. So today, in Jesus' name, I break off the yokes. I break off that, that mindset of only surviving, that mindset of being under attack, that mindset of lacking, the mindset of worrying right now. And I bless you 
with the strength and courage to attain, to renew your minds, to live with the mind of a believer. In Jesus' name, dear Holy Spirit, we need mega help with this. So please come and help us, remind us, equip us, and help us help each other. Remind each other, help each other. In this journey, we need each other to remind us. So in Jesus' name, I want to break off all discouragement and all sense of failure and defeat from the past. For we are starting a new chapter again. We're starting a new. This is a new beginning. So in Jesus' name, I want to bless you with the freedom of the cross. And I speak right now to the spirit of the world that has been influencing God's people. And I tell you, these ones don't belong to you. You have to back off. And I say to you, get out of your divorce, the spirit of the world. Stop entertaining the spirit of the world. You entertain the spirit of the world when you live in the mind of an unbeliever. Then you are, you are friends. God said he will deliver us from our enemies. But if you are friends with the spirit of the world, you will not be delivered. You have to make it your enemy. Don't be in bed with the enemy. Get up, walk out, stop it. You can do it, stop it. Because we have a bigger, better spirit, the spirit of God. And if your greater friendship is with the spirit of the world, then what do you expect? Spirit of the world will give you what the spirit of the world gives. The spirit of God will give you what the spirit of God gives. Which one do you want to be in relationship with? So right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak freedom to you. And I speak to every anxiety, worry, fear, concern. For these are tormenting a spirit, torturing a spirit. These are whips the devil uses. Torturing spirits. In Jesus' name right now. And I command you. I command you to leave these people alone. And I release you in Jesus' name from it. Because Jesus paid the price. But it is up to you to walk out of this or not and transform and change. I promise you, if you don't worry, things will still happen. God will provide. God will take care of you. You don't have to keep God in a leash, holding him accountable. If you don't worry, then he won't do. No, he will do more. If you don't worry, he will do more. May you be wise. May you be free. May you have discernment. May you be restored. May your bodies be restored from the stress of worries and the cares of life. In Jesus' name, may your bodies go into healing and health and be restored for the peace of God will heal your bodies and will bring freedom, physical, emotional, freedom as well. In Jesus' name, may restoration come into your lives. May your relationships and families be restored because this destroys what we talked about tonight, destroys relationships. That's what the spirit of the world does. 
So in Jesus' name, I just draw a line. We just draw a line between the world and each of you. Every negative thought you entertain, you are functioning in the mind of an unbeliever. Every judgment that you make against people, is the mind of an unbeliever. Every discouraging thought, all those things, be discerning. If it doesn't align with the work of the cross and the resurrection and the Bible and the character of God, don't do it. It's easy. Don't do it. Just the spirit of the world, the mind of an unbeliever, that's what dominates their minds. If you are suspicious and always look into what people goes there to your motive, what they're going to do, you're functioning with the mind of an unbeliever. So in Jesus' name right now, I just declare freedom. I just heard bells ringing like a, st a steeple. Bells from a steeple ringing and ringing and ringing. That's different than trumpets. These bells ringing and ringing, and it was like people were awakening, were looking, and it was like, you know, it was really cool what they just saw. Like it was like people were looking, the bells are ringing, we go, we do something, we respond. It was, we respond, the bells are ringing, you know, from the high steeple to gather us and to call us. Wow, this is so cool. I never heard this or seen it. I saw it, but I, I, I saw it and I heard it audibly, the bell up from the steeple. So, Father, we thank you. There's a realignment happening. There's a gathering, an awakening and a gathering. So I bless you in Jesus' name. May you be a steward of it. It is simple. People, it is really, really simple. A child can do it. It's simple. May you be simple. Being simple doesn't mean you're not smart. Being uncomplicated is the way of the kingdom of God. And may you experience every restoration and prosper. May you prosper. May prosperity fill you. May you prosper. And I want to leave you with this thought, which is actually true. Prosperity in the Bible the word, when the word prosper is used and prosperity in the Bible, it comes from the main word used, it comes from the Hebrew. That actually means to have a burden and someone comes and lifts it of you and helps you. That is prosperity. When the, uh, the Bible is to prosper, when somebody says prosperity, it scripturally means. You have a burden, someone comes and helps, helps you carry it or takes it away from you. It's the other meaning. Those are the two meanings of it. Someone comes and takes your burden and you prosper because someone is carrying your burden. That is what the Bible means about prosper. You have a financial burden, somebody takes it, you prosper. You have a health burden, you're struggling something, may you prosper means may your burdens be lifted from you. May God take your burdens away and help you get there. So I want to bless you to prosper in Jesus' name. Amen.
What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you, you may sit down, please. Please be seated. I would just like to share with you as a church what I shared here on Thursday. Uh, before we came to Texas, I asked the Lord, uh, what do you want to say to the church we're going to in, in Texas? And he gave me a vision and he showed me a building, a new building, a white building. It was very, very white and very pure. And I heard him say, this church is pure. This church is clean, and they truly love me and are seeking me. And this building was a one-story building. It was a new building. Then I saw the foundation of the building, and I saw jacks. It was like hydraulic jacks or something like that that were lifting it up, the foundation, so that building became a two-story building. It was like the Lord was saying, uh-uh, not a one-story building, a two-story building. And then it went up to a three-story building. And then I saw the foundation, and the foundation was very, very pure, very clear, and in that foundation was the fivefold ministry. And the fivefold ministry is already in this church. And the Lord is going to activate the fivefold ministry like never before in this church. That's what the Lord told me about this church before I came. So I shared this on Thursday with the pastors and with the leaders, and I'm sharing this now with you as a church in whole. This is what our God said to me after I asked him, so I'm bringing it to you as a church, what he said. And I believe he put it on my heart to pray for and bless the leaders of the church and pray for and bless the fivefold ministry in this church. So I'm putting it into the hands of the pastors now at this moment if you want me and my wife to pray for people that are in leadership and you believe are part of what I'm saying, we are willing to do that at your discretion. So I want to share um, before, I, I think I might have shared it, some of the stuff before we went to the Bethel Leaders Advance a couple weeks ago. But with this word of expansion that they've been releasing, and I talked a little bit about it last weekend. We knew that uh, in Exodus chapter 1, um, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses begins to retell the story of, of Israel coming out of Egypt and to the promised land, and he's reminding them because they're about to take the promised land. And, then, and I shared a little bit last week where he says, now go and occupy the land, go take it. But then Moses also says, but then the Lord showed me that the people would multiply a thousand times over. He would add to it. And he says, how am I going to actually lead and how am I going to deal with 
this great group of people what it looks like. And then his father-in-law, Jethro, had given him a word. You need to appoint leaders. And, and then the, uh, when Jethro came to him, he does it in reverse order. He says tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. But when Moses is retelling in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he starts, he says, and the Lord told me to appoint leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And we really had a word of the Lord was that it's time to expand two different groups of people. One is going to be the leaders of thousands, which is the eldership. There's this covering. There's been four of us. It's been Kelly and I and Gary and Linda Long for several years, and, and we've been on the lookout. We've been praying, saying, Lord, because the office of an elder is not just a you've got skill sets. It's a calling. There's a, there's a gifting, and, and one of the things we've talked about, too, is that it must be the fivefold. It, it can't just be a random thing that's, that somebody's got a good business person, a good leader. There's a calling into the fivefold, and so we've been praying. We've been waiting, and right before we left, the Lord says, uh, make a list of, of who you believe right now God's calling to step into it. And so we made a list. There was four names. When we were in Reading on uh, Tuesday, Kelly and I were at a specific lunch with a group of leaders from all over the world, and we were sitting down with this uh, Irish apostolic leader, and we were just talking about random things, and all of a sudden he pauses and he goes, I heard the Lord say before you came that you, had, you made a list of elders, and every one of them is a yes. And I'm like... Well, I, I said, we, we literally just made a list. He goes, I know I saw the list. And then we went and started talking about something random again, too. And then, But it was just like, there's a yes of the timing. Because the moments of acceleration, you, you don't want to get ahead of God, right? And at the same time, you don't want to fall. So it was like there was a timing word into it. And so then when... Uh, Thrawen said this on Thursday. It was just, I felt the weight of the timing of the Lord, and Isabel began to say, it's now. It's now. There's a now word. There's an acceleration. It's not going to happen. It's happening right now. And it went back to that word of it's time to expand, because if I'm going to expand the tent pegs of the influence, with it has to come the governance that goes along with the covenant and protection. The other group is going to be an expansion of our leadership team and those who serve direct ministry and things like that. And last night, they really got blessed, and they began to pray over it. And so what I felt was, is when, when we did that, I contacted the group that were on the list, and I said, hey, we've been in communication, we've been in this relationship, but the Lord has given us a now word. I need you to pray and see what the Lord tells you. And each of them came back and said, there was confirmations for it. So what we're going to do ahead of our schedule, because our plan was, is we're going to take a couple months invite them into our elder meetings and just begin to talk. Is this a fit? This is what God's saying, all those things. And the Lord says, no, I'm telling you right now, the time is here. You d and what it was is when you said it, you don't have time to waste developing something. The Lord says, I've already developed what I'm sending in, and you need to embrace it and think that, and don't think that you could develop something that I, have, that I haven't already set in place. And so that's what we're going to do right now. And then I do feel like in the secondary part of that word is, is, is you see there's people who, like, Cindy's a five-fold prophet. There's people in here who don't necessarily sit on the elder board. So just because you're five-fold doesn't mean you're necessarily an elder team. There's a separate calling in that. But that doesn't exclude you from actually being a five-fold person that's going to be activated into this thing. And so I, what I would say is there's going to be days that are coming, there's going to be a release of it and a full stepping because part of what we're called to equip here is not just the saints for the work of the ministry, but fivefold leaders for the, for the harvest who actually can equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
And, and the word we got last night about leaders amongst leaders, like we're reproducing this because the harvest field is ripe and the workers are few, so it's time to activate the fivefold in order to be able to get the, the workers ready for the harvest. And it's a now word. So what I, I, what I would say, Theron, is, is if we bring up the ones that we're supposed to commission into as elders, uh, Gary and Linda, who are current elders, if you guys would come up, Kelly. But I just want to, Greg and Angela, if you would come up. Um, B, Miss B, wherever you're at, there she is in the back. Brian, I want you to come up. And Kelsey, if you'd sit on the front. I just want to be intentional with this. Um, because I had zero expectation other than what's God doing right now. And so there's something unique about having prophets who are here. Samuel came and said, boom, set them into place. But it's, it's not just random prophets either. In a short period of time, it's family whom I trust implicitly. And I just want to – y'all need to hear me say that. I've told them this. But I, I already implicitly trust you both – and you've been so generous, but also so cautious not to overstep bounds. I'm like, there's no bounds that you could, there's nothing to overstep. You, you've got full permission. Um, I feel like the Lord's saying there's a level of connectivity and trust in that uh, too with you. And so um, we're setting in new elders today because the tent pegs, the tent pegs have been expanded. We're going to figure out what it looks like in the days to come, but we're setting it in. So, yeah. I don't know if you want that. It's a privilege and honor to be standing here today, serving you as the Lord has put on our hearts to do. We are not, the Lord is doing this, we are not doing it. You are here because the Lord has called you to stand here today. This is not something random thing. This is something the Lord Most High is doing. He is doing this for his church. He is doing this for his people because of his love for his people. That's why, as the Bible teaches us, that's why God created the fivefold ministry. It's for the church. It's not to elevate individuals. It is for the church and the church's protection. Because he loves his church. He loves you guys. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing for you, all of you, as a church. So I would like to bless you, each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And commission you as elders in this church by the authority given to me by your pastor and by the authority given to me by the ne for the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, we as prophets would like to commission you into that office now in Jesus' name. 
anoint you with oil, and commission you. But before we do that, you are the father of the house. So would the two of you lay hands on and pass on the authority to your new elders? just declare newness you've been found faithful and not wanting and the Lord says that as we expand your faithfulness through many seasons that sometimes felt like famine and then there were seasons of feasting has been recognized so I just bless you and I thank you for being closer than a friend, a brother. You've been, you've been a father and mother to us in so many ways in this house. And now there's a reward coming. In Jesus' name. Just as the Father house, we just anoint you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord, we put a stamp of approval on you. But we just say we recognize you and we receive you in the name of whom heaven says you are. Hiddenness doesn't matter. The Lord has not, you've not been hidden from the Lord. And we receive you fully now. each of you. Your voice is necessary in the body of Christ and we welcome what God wants to say through you. Brian, you've <laughs> you've been elding without a title. You're a trustworthy man. You're a man wise beyond your years. You're a good husband, you're a good father. And just, I wanna confirm there was the word too that they gave you yesterday for both you and Kelsey is, you're both governmental. And then the timing of the Lord is there's, a, there's gonna be a you stepping in and a preparation for her to step in. But it's because of your cover, it's because of your faithfulness, it's because you serve without ever requiring anything in return. And I count you as a son in the faith, as much as I count you as a dear friend. And I believe God's got many, many things, and I trust your voice, unlike I trust many voices. So welcome. I just want to declare that you're not a Timothy. <laughs> I know that you see yourself as a Timothy, but I say the Lord has said you, you have it. You have enough. You have what it takes to stand as a man and to stand in your place. Mama B. Huh. 
I remember sitting in your dining room table with Larry. And as y'all began to share the stories of your history, we knew immediately we were meant to be together. And I know this year has been different with Larry getting the promotion to there. And I remember the dream you told me at our dining room table. And I believe it was confirmed even with something that Isabel released over you. Is this is a new leg of the race. It's a new season. It's a new freshness. There's a level of completion that's yet to come. And we love you and we trust you. There's nothing you could ever say that would be out of bounds. We need you. And we receive you. And we bless you. And we bless that there, this is a day also of, I just felt like this is a changing winds. Yeah. There's a new season. So we just receive you now fully in who you are. Wisdom and the grace God's put on your life, and we welcome your voice here in the church. You've already been elding <laughs> since you've been here. You've been elding the whole time, and we just receive you now as an elder, and we welcome you. You have a seat at the table. So, Father, as we come before you right now, according to the Word of God. And according to what uh, your senior pastors have said, you all meet all the requirements of a scripture to stand in this office and to be in this place. You have been tested, you have been refined, and you have overcome. You walk with integrity and not perfect, but with character that can be trusted. So on that strength and on the will of God right now, in the name of Jesus, we just declare you all as a leadership team, as elders of this house with your senior pastors, in Jesus' name we bless you. And we seal what has been done on earth, also in heaven. We bless you with wisdom and revelation. May the spirit of truth inhabit you. May you walk in intimacy with God. May you be the ones who fight bears and lions. May a hedge of protection be around you today. May a new fire sustain you. May the wall of fire never depart from you. May you be defenders. May you be the ones the race, train, and equip God's people. May the authority and the mantle as it was given to Moses be upon you right now. As you are being raised to, with delegated authority from your senior pastors of the authority God has given to them. As Moses sent the other the 70, may you go forth and build the kingdom. May you be fearless in the days to come. May you be refreshed, for burdens will be heavy, but your light, your step will be light. May you prosper when the burdens come. I bless you with unity. May you have each other's back, no matter what happens. May you be a wall that can never be broken, 
may you be the ones, the forerunners, but may also, you may, may also be the rear keepers of this house. May you have double vision. May you have eyes to see and ears to hear. May your hearts perceive and the spirit of discernment arise within you sevenfold what you have today. May it increase in your lives. May you have stewardship, not for the house only, but also for the community, for the city, for the region, for the state, and even the nation. May you have vision like eagles to see what is ahead and keep the people of God ahead of the storms. May you have the humility to ask for help as you need it in all situations. May you steward well the revival of God in your lives, in the hearts of the people and those who are to come. May new mantles come upon all of you and you distribute them wherever you go. May people come to receive for the well is bottomless for you. And you will draw from a well that will never run empty and will be fresh every single day. As you open it, it will be filled again. No matter how much you empty this well out, it will always, always be full. It will never ever ever run out. May the oil flow from the deep places. May you pump it out well. As you release it in the land, I bless you. That you will be servants, but you will carry the authority to make decisions and rule not over the people, but rule over the enemy. May you rule over those who stand against you. And may you serve the people well. In Jesus' name, I release a double portion of authority, for you will need it. May you raise many more leaders, for this is the beginning of a new chapter in this house in the end, for this is a day of acceleration. And in Jesus' mighty name, as the Lord has given to me, I give to you an impartation of everything that the Lord has released from heaven already. I release an impartation of every anointing and every um, blessing and every gift that is was given to the disciples in the book of Acts right now. I bless you to receive the anointing that the 12 disciples received from Jesus. That it will be upon you. May you be equipped in the same way and evangelism, the restoration, the wisdom, the life, the breakthroughs, the healing, the deliverance arise. May you dig that well and restore the old anointings for the ancient wells are opening up for you. I release right now an impartation for the anointing that God released in the revival of the Azusa Street. For there is an impartation of that well in this house, and you will carry it to restore. For you will restore and you will purify. May you lead with gladness, happiness, and joy. For this will be a place of celebration and abundance. For heaven will celebrate and you will celebrate. In Jesus' name, I bless you and I set you aside to run this race. And there will be others that will be joining this group. And there will be others that God is going to raise. May you have eyes to see. For the Lord is expanding and expansion will continue. I bless you with victory. 
I release upon you right now and I declare a shift in the atmosphere for victory over you in Jesus name and I release over you as elders in this house in your office the God has given to you and senior pastors of this house I bless you right now with an impartation of the mantle of Joshua that you will walk with the mantle of Joshua and you will possess your promised land now Caleb said now, Joshua said now, you say now, for God says now, I bless you with now. Take the land, for the giants have been warned already that you are coming to step in and to take over. For God is sending you and trumpets just blew, three trumpets are blowing right now. So I bless you right now with a release from heaven, for it's the day of advancement, take charge of what God has given to you. For new vision is coming for you. There is enlargement. I just saw a blueprint being torn apart and replaced with a newer one. And this new blueprint had more expansion, had enlargement. And there is another set of blueprints that is uh, for later on that is going to come for you guys. For God is enlarging vision for you and for many others. I bless you with unity in this community. May you have community unity with leaders and in a community. May you bring unity and family in the kingdom of God. As you have done here, may you do it outside with other leaders in other places. May you solve problems before they come. And may you be peacemakers in the land. I bless you to be peacemakers in the land. I bless you with influence. I bless you to receive a double portion of influence. And I bless you with kingdom influence, spiritual influence, but political influence. I bless you to receive political influence for the territory, for the land, and even to the nation. May you have wisdom and political influence. For God is going to raise this house to political influence. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I say right now, well done, faithful ones. For it has pleased God to entrust you. And it has pleased God to release his favor. For as God gave favor to Esther to carry the authority of the king today, I release upon you the same favor of Esther to carry it. Use it well, but use it. The favor of Esther equal to the king in the kingdom of God. That's a level of authority that is not often declared on earth. So I bless you in, Jesus, in the name of our Father. I bless you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Set you aside and send you forth for the glory of God by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know what this means for y'all? More. Stay standing. This is not just a word for us as leaders. We didn't just add a number for the sake of adding a number. This means 
you guys are growing and expanding in a way that requires an expansion. And so if you just lift up your hands right now, what I want to do is I want to commission you into the kingdom, the movement of what the Lord's doing. I'm just going to ask our elders now. It's nice to say all eight of us, would you all just begin to spread across over and we're just going to release right now. We just commission each of you now in the name of the Lord Jesus for the move of the kingdom. We just commission you to go higher and to go deeper. That the oil that we carry is your oil. It's the oil of the house, but it's the kingdom oil. And I just release it over to you now. I just declare the breakthroughs now are yours. I just declare now that just as the giants are afraid of us, they're afraid of you. So therefore, go and occupy the land that the Lord has given you to occupy in the name of Jesus. I just declare right now that the city of New Braunfels, that the Kamau County, that Guadalupe County, that Bear County, that Hayes County, that Bolverde and Spring Branch, San Marcos, Buda, Kyle, Austin, San Antonio, you are our territory, and we are coming for you. Sha, he will. Sha, he will. We thank you that you when, a, when you send a family, it's not about the few. I skip hearing it was the Marines, the few, the proud, the Marines. Well, it's like, you are not few. The enemy is few. You are many. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for the release of inheritance. We thank you for the release of purpose. We thank you now for the release now that they have the fivefold is being activated to a new level. Sha. We thank you now for that the giftings and the graces that flow from the fivefold are now flowing freely to you. Evangelize. Prophesy. Teach. Build. Shepherd. Grow in the graces now. Overflow with the grace. Because all those graces are the fullness of Jesus. And I just hear him to say it right now. My friend, I bless you, Cindy. Chris, I bless you, my friends. It's not gone by without recognition that we're standing where we're at because of your yes in 2014. And I had to say, there's this place of special honor, both in my heart, but I believe in the heart of heaven for your yes. So I bless you to be you, full bore, 
No limitations. I commission you in this house. I know you've been commissioned by Keith and others, but I just commission you publicly in this house as a prophet, as a mother of prophets. Sha. And with it, I just see the Lord, the Lord is releasing the, the mothering. There's a grace that's coming to you. bless your excellence I bless your loyalty whenever nobody else knows what you do the Lord knows and I just hear Chris it's, it's, it is the season of stepping into the fullness of everything that's been promised to you that you're not limited by man's expectations or inability to fulfill promises. For the Lord says, I will fulfill the promises I gave you. Regardless of what man does or doesn't do, I will fulfill the promises I've given you and I've spoken to you and I've spoken about you. You are a father. You're a good father. You're a father in this house. You're a father amongst fathers. You're a generational setting man that's both redeemed the past but established a path forward for your children to far exceed your wildest dreams. And quite literally, I just heard him say, so enter into the joy of your rest. You're not going to heaven. Maybe for visitation, but you're not dying. But you're going to enter into a rest here in a way you've never experienced before. More, Lord. Whether you're new here, you've been around in a while, just want to say this, we're all entering into a new season together. Just want you to pick up on that. If you've been here weeks or years, we're all going into a place we've never been together before, which means we're all on the same plane. We're all entering into the promised land. So we thank you, Jesus. And we just ultimately say thank you that it's for your kingdom. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. It's yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. We say, as it is in heaven, let it be released here on the earth. We thank you that you are a good father. 
So I release over you now the Father's blessing. And not just may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. I say the Father has already made his face to shine upon you. Recognize it. See it. Embrace it. Live in the fact that the Father of heaven has looked upon you with favor. And his face and his glory and his countenance is joyful as he looks at you. May every step you take be a step of intimacy. Even as you take territory, it'll be steps of intimacy. I call you favored. I call you blessed. I call you loved. I call the generations that come after you blessed. So I thank you that right now a grace for the race has been released. Lord, we just bless once again Thrawan and Isabel. We think that the grace for their race has been upgraded. So just continue to have your way. And we just declare this in Jesus' mighty name. All the family of God said amen. Amen. Come on, lift up a shout of praise. So here's what family does. Take each other to lunch. Go bless the economy of our city. Tip well, right, both financially, but also tip them with the blessings of the Lord. Love on them. Bless them. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.